We're so glad you guys are here tonight for our Christmas services. And the special you just saw really comes from two famous Christmas movies. Of course, the idea that someone wouldn't be born is from It's a Wonderful Life. And then the idea of the past, present, future is from The Christmas Carol. And I want you to continue to kind of think about this idea, this theme. I want you to think about these two thoughts. What would your past, present, and future look like if Jesus had never been born? I want to talk with you about that a little bit here tonight. You see, I think for a lot of us, we can stop and we can pause and we can think a little bit about what our past would be like had Jesus never shown up. And some of us, maybe we don't even really want to think too much about what our present would be like. And I I know if you're like me, you don't want to think at all about what your future would be like if Jesus had never been born. So here's what I want to do for a few minutes. I kind of want to paint the picture of what our lives would be like, past, present, and future, had Jesus not been born. And then I want to encourage you a little bit, all right? So let's start out with the bad news. First off, what your life looks like without Jesus had he never been born, past, present, and future. Number one starts out like this, gloom and darkness. Merry Christmas, everybody. Don't you feel good tonight? (laughs) Gloom and darkness, right? I mean, just think about the power of light, the power of what the light has come to do and and the difference it makes in our life. And without that light, imagine how gloomy and dark things would be. I'm really thankful for these lights right here because the ones that we had before them not only threw a lot of light, but they threw a lot of heat. And so it would be 70 degrees down by where you were sitting and about 170 up here for me. The good thing was I had a tan all year long. I just got pounded, man. People are like, you hitting the beach? I'm just preaching, man. I'm just preaching week in, week out, right? Because sometimes when you get close to the light, you feel the warmth of that light. And you know what? For you and I, Had Jesus never come, man, we're missing out on the light and the warmth of the light of the love of Jesus in our lives. And so past, present, and future for you, man, it's just gloomy and it is dark. How about distress? I can't imagine trying to carry the weight of my past and all the mistakes I've made and all the sin that I've committed if there were no Jesus. Like if I were looking back on all that, trying to figure out how I'm going to fix all that and make myself right with God, I'm in trouble. I can't imagine the distress or the weight I'd be walking through right now if I had no Jesus in my life to help me through the day-to-day, the ups and downs, the good and the bad. I can't even think about the future and the fear I would feel toward what the rest of my life will look like. And then what about eternity? I mean, if all this God stuff is real, how do I make it right with him? Man, that's a lot of weight to carry. That's a lot of distress. Another thing I think you and I would feel past, present, and future if Jesus had never been born is just sadness. I went through a multi-year depression, and I can tell you this. I know what it's like to wake up and feel sad for no reason. I know what it's like to wake up and, and not really be able to put your finger on it, but you just feel so incredibly down. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that had Jesus not come, I never would have found my way out of that thing. Some of you guys know what it's like to be oppressed. That's another thing we'd all be feeling, past, present, and future, just oppressed. you ever just feel heavy and you don't quite know why? Like maybe something bad's going on in your life and you kind of attributed it to that, but, but sometimes it's just, I don't know, man, there's just this weight on me. Everything should be good, everything's okay, but there's just this extra added weight. I feel weighted, I don't know what it is. I'm just going through my day. Uh, somebody tells a funny joke, I laugh, but immediately after the laugh, I'm back to that weighted, oppressed feeling. That's past, present, and future for me and you if Jesus had never been born. What about trapped? You and I would have been trapped in our sin. So about 14 years ago, my wife and I took my son Cade to McDonald's. And if you've been around a long time, you may have a great memory. Remember me telling you about what happened to me at McDonald's. It was pretty traumatic. So I'm going to bring it up again tonight. And maybe you guys can help me work through it here. And so we went to McDonald's. We buy the Happy Meal. This was back in the day 
when they used to give toys with Happy Meals. Now, man, it stinks to be a kid. They give like, I don't know, like organic skin lotion or something with Happy Meals now. It's like, what a lame time to be a child, right? But back in the day, they were still giving out toys. And so my son Cade kind of climbed with his toy into the playland. And as he's coming down a slide or something, he dropped it. It fell all the way down into the bottom underneath all the tubes and the pipes and the slides and everything. Now, a reasonable dad, a smart dad, would have just gone to the front. I would have walked up to the register and said, hey, man, my little guy, he dropped his toy. Can I please get one, buy one, do whatever I got to do? But no, I turned into super dad. And I was going to go get his toy. And so what I did was, is I squeezed my way into this piping system. And I was going to, oh, oh man, I was going to make sure that I got this toy. And now I'm digging around for my son's toy. I finally get it. And I'm so happy. And I'm so excited. And I hand it to my wife. And then I realize I can't get out. Like I'm stuck. And I got to tell you, I had a full-on panic attack at about age 30 in a McDonald's. And my wife came over to me, and she was so cool, man. She just put her hand on me. She began to pray. She had a little tear in her eye. Oh, no, no, that's, that's, no, 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 I'm sorry, that didn't happen. She laughed at me. That's, sometimes I confuse those things, you know? And I knew at that moment I was going to die in there. So I said, honey, last wish, just, just a small fry. That's all I just a small, just please, right? And I got to tell you the truth, I'm stuck in here right now. So the things I do for you people, thankfully I got some stagehands that are going to get me out of this because the truth is I truly actually cannot get out of this thing myself. Thank you guys. Let's hear it for our guys here. Woo! Man, the, the things I do for you people. Gosh. But guys, that's a picture of you and me had Jesus never come trapped in our sins, stuck, like wedged in. The truth was when I got myself stuck in there, I just thought at first, I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just like move a little bit this way or that way and I'll be okay. And I think often you and I get trapped in our sin, we get stuck in our sin and, and we think, okay, I'm just going to figure this God stuff out. I'm going to be able to wiggle my way free and I'll make sure I get out of this. But I don't know if you've realized past, present, and future without Jesus, you and I are trapped and stuck in our sin with no way to get ourselves out. The last thing I'll bring up here is we're without love. We're without love. Now, see, the Bible tells us that God is love. So he is the very definition and source of love. And if he hadn't shown up, then not only do we not know the love of God, but if no love has ever come to earth and invaded mankind, then there's no like love that you enjoy. The love between you and a friend, the love between you and a girlfriend, boyfriend, parents, spouse, like child. There is no source of love. So Jesus, if he's not here, there's no love from him. There's no love for one another. So I hope you're seeing here a pretty clear, somewhat depressing picture of what your life looks like, my life looks like, if Jesus hadn't come past, present, and future. But for the rest of our time together, I want to celebrate with you that Jesus did come. I want to celebrate with you that there is a great hope, that God did something incredible that we're celebrating here at this Christmas time. And there's two things that I hope happen. Number one, I hope if you are a follower of Jesus, that your heart will start to beat a little faster when you hear the name of Jesus. That there'll be a greater love in your heart and a greater appreciation. And if you are stuck in gloom, if you are distressed, if you feel like you're stuck in the darkness, if you feel like you're stuck in some kind of sin thing, then man, I want to tell you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, I pray that you find freedom tonight here at this Christmas service. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray that you will think about taking a step toward Jesus. Taking a little bit of a step. We've had a bunch of people all day long at our services taking a step toward Jesus. Some of them, it's been a first step. 
Like, I don't know this God. I don't know this Jesus, but I'm willing to try this out and take a little step. Some people, they've been taking a step back toward him. They were far and they've come back and now they're ready to try this again. And so today, I don't know if you find yourself in in any of those camps, but I hope that you'll think about taking a step toward him. So what does it look like for us to celebrate what Jesus did accomplish, what he did come to do? We're going to look at Isaiah 9, and Isaiah was a prophet of God. I don't know if you've ever known somebody, kind of like behind the scenes, uh, somebody backstage, like if you want to get into a certain concert, oh, you just call that guy, he gets you in. Uh, somebody, man, they just know they have the connection, you want to get to a sporting event, oh, I know that guy, he's got the tickets, and yeah, he'll hook us up, and, or I know that person, man, we're in a spot right now, and they know how to help us out, and you have this almost like direct connection with somebody who has some kind of power and authority, right? Well, Isaiah had this incredible connection with God. And God spoke to him in incredible ways. And we're going to see here, 750 years before Jesus came, Isaiah is saying some incredible things, some incredible hope that God would breathe over mankind. Isaiah 9, verse 1 says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more, look at that word, gloom. Some of us are stuck in our gloom, right? For those who were in distress, look at that word. Some of us are in a place of complete distress in our life. It says this, in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. What is all this about? Well, Isaiah is seeing a day 750 years in the future when Jesus would come. And the reason he brings up some of these places, Galilee is the place Jesus would grow up as a boy, right? The Jordan, man, Jesus would get baptized in the Jordan River. So he's trying to identify that those, these places had certain history attached to it. A Savior was coming, and these places would be significant for where that Savior would be. But let's look at the first part of the verse again. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in the stress. Don't raise your hand, but anybody here caught in some gloom today? It's just dark. It's just dark. It's hard. It's difficult right now. You can't see clearly. Anybody here caught in some distress today? Man, I don't know what happened, but I'm just distressed. I'm distressed about this decision I made. I'm distressed about what I did on spring break this past year. I can't get free of it. I just made a really bad call. It was a dumb decision. Or maybe you're going, you know what? I was about to come home off Christmas break, and the last thing I know, I'm doing the stupidest thing. I, I didn't belong anywhere near that place, but I went there. Or some of you guys are like, you know what, to make ends meet, the last little part of this year, man, we had to do some kind of shady stuff. I had to do some questionable things at work or at home or with the finances. I don't know what kind of distress you're carrying today, but this tells us that Jesus came so there'd be no more gloom or distress. Goes on, verse 2. The people walking in darkness. Don't raise your hand, but some of us are walking in darkness right now. It just feels dark. We feel like we're surrounded by darkness or we feel like we just can't see clearly. It says, the people walking in that darkness, they've seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Now, some of you guys have a really good question in your mind, and it's this. Doug, you just said this guy Isaiah is a prophet, right? So he's supposed to be telling the future about when Jesus would come? Then why does it seem like he's talking like this already happened? It says the people have seen a great light, right? Well, if that's still to happen, then why is he talking about it like that? It's because the prophets would often do this. When they were so sure that what God told them was going to happen would happen, they talked about it like it already happened. It would be like me saying, uh, the, the Mets won the 2020 World Series, you know, because it hasn't happened yet, but I'm so sure. No, it probably actually won't. It probably actually won't at all, right? But, but that's what these guys would do. They would just talk like, oh, no, God has said this, and this will happen. And, and so he's talking about this time when these people would see a great, Light And I love that it says the people walking in darkness didn't just see a light. They didn't see like this little flicker. No, they saw a great 
light. Have you ever seen a great light? Have you ever seen something that caught your attention? Have you seen something that just stopped you in your tracks and it was just this incredible scene? I remember when I was in college, I played soccer for a little while, and our team traveled from New York, upstate New York, to Ohio. And as we were driving, all kind of crammed into like a 15-passenger van, we stopped on the side of the road, middle of nowhere, this just off-the-way street, and we got out, and one of my friends just goes, guys, look up. And I don't know if you know this because of where we live, but there are stars in the sky. And we looked up, and there were not 10 stars, there were not 100 stars, there must have been thousands of stars. There was a great light that all these New York boys had never seen before. And I remember just being stopped in my tracks and going, oh my gosh, guys, this light that would be Jesus, that would come to shine, is a great light that would stop us in our tracks, that would get our attention, that would light our way. If you're not a father of Jesus, maybe you're here saying, man, I just feel like I'm in a dark place. I feel like there's no light shining on me. I want to tell you, Jesus came to be that light in your life. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus and you're trying to figure out some really difficult situation in your life. Man, I don't know whether to go here or go there. I don't know whether to start this or stop this. I don't know if I belong doing what I'm doing or studying what I'm studying. Or, Man, here is a great light that has come to light your way. Verse 3, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Okay, so here's what's happening in Isaiah. I need you to stick with me for a minute, all right? Isaiah, when he prophesies he, in this situation, is actually prophesying about two different time periods, okay? He's prophesying about his own time and his own people in that day, and he's also prophesying out about the coming of Jesus. So some of the things he's saying have this kind of double meaning going on, like he's talking to the people about what will happen in their nation, but he's also talking about the greater thing of Jesus coming. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen that show, Blue Bloods. It's a cop show. It's a good show. Donnie Wahlberg, Tom Selleck. Let's just talk about Tom Selleck for a minute. Can we just look at a picture of Tom Selleck's mustache? Can we just look at that? I don't know who you are here tonight, but your mustache ain't nothing like that, okay? I'm just going to throw that out there. And he's been doing this since the 80s. You want you to go ahead and check this out, man. Tom Selleck's been pulling this off since the 80s. And my vote is Tom Selleck's mustache for president 2020. Who's with me, right? Can we please be in on this? All right, very good. I know we live in a day and age where everybody's speaking mustache right now. So. But here's what happens on this show, okay? Here's what happens. They go out, they catch the bad guys, they do what they've got to do, right? But then every single Sunday, they have what they call Sunday dinner, and they all gather around the table. They get the whole family gathered around the table. And as they're talking, if you've seen the show, you know I'm not making this up. As they're talking... They're talking about something that has to do with their family, something that has to do with what's going on in the room. But they're also talking about something much deeper. It's like they're talking in code a little bit. You got all these cops and a lawyer sitting around the table, and then the kids are there. And so, well, you know, one of them will look at the other, and they'll say, oh, man, these, these mashed potatoes came out a little bit soft. They're a little runny and soft, right? And then they look at the other guy and kind of wink, like, like oh, oh, what he's really saying is that new rookie that's on the job is too soft to make a difficult arrest. It's like, okay, we're talking about this, but we're also talking about something much bigger. And Isaiah is doing the same exact thing. He's saying, okay, nation of Israel, here's the deal. Nation of Judah, here's the deal. God's going to show up. He's going to enlarge this nation. He is going to increase your joy. But this is way beyond just you, Israel and Judah. This is about what Jesus will come and do in the lives of people that put their trust in him. And so let me ask you a question today. Does anybody in here want to just say, God, I want to be enlarged? Some of you guys are going, no, man, I've been enlarged enough since about Thanksgiving. I'm trying to trim down a little bit. you got a week left, just so you know, right? But what is this talking about? It's talking about growth, right? That, that yeah, God was going to grow the nation in that verse, but he's also desiring to grow you, to grow your influence, and to increase your joy. Don't raise your hands, but I would guess some of you are stuck 
in deep sadness today. I, I would guess some of you guys need the joy of God to invade your life. Guys, here's the deal in my life. Sometimes, because Jesus is in my life, sometimes joy is the default, man. I wake up and I'm joyful. I come to work, I'm joyful. I come home, I'm joyful. Sometimes that's just what it is because, man, Jesus is just merciful and he's good to me. But sometimes, because life's hard and we all go through stuff, everyone in this room has probably lost someone they love, has probably been betrayed by somebody they thought they could trust, has probably somebody in their life or maybe yourself that's sick and you wish you could get better, had probably a financial issue, right? We all live in the real world. And so there are times when joy is not the default. I've got to get near Jesus. I've got to preach to my soul. I've got to open the word of God. I've got to get with some friends who love Jesus. I've got to pray. And I'll tell you, every single time I find joy. Jesus came to increase your joy. Then it says this. This is a powerful verse. We've got to dig, dig in a little here. You ready? They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, I love this. I want you to think about your sin struggles for a minute. I want you to think about being stuck in sin for a minute. Look what it says. You have shattered the yoke that burdens them. Guys, being trapped in sin is a great yoke that burdens us. It is a bar across our shoulders. It is a rod of oppression in our lives. And this says that this victory would be so great, it would shatter all that, right? So what's this talking about? It's talking about a time when Israel was going to battle this nation called Midian. And some of you guys know the story. They, they were ready to roll, man. They had 22,000 soldiers ready to go take care of Midian. And God looked at them and said, guys, I want you to tell a lot of your soldiers to go home because I want it to be clear that I am fighting this battle for you. And so the leader says, okay, he sends 21,700 of the 22,000 soldiers home. Then the leader of this army goes up to every single of the 300 and hands them a trumpet and a jar. I don't know about you, man. If I'm going into battle, I don't want to be handed no trumpet or jar, right? I mean, that's a picture of the guy. You get a trumpet in a jar, and you get a trumpet in a jar, and you I'd be like, yo, Oprah, where's the sword, bro? Where's the, where's the gun, right? I don't want this. They take the trumpet, and they do what God tells them to do. They blow the trumpet. They smash the jar, and God throws the Midianites into confusion, and they destroy themselves. What is clear here? This was a battle that God won. This was a battle that God won, right? Do you know what needs to be clear for you and me? When we are stuck in our sin, we are in a battle we cannot win. We are in a battle that God only can win. He's the only one that can shatter the, ro the rod and the yoke of the oppressor in our life. I want you to know today, if you came in here feeling stuck in your sin, that God desires to set you free from the distress and the weight of feeling like, I don't know how to make myself right with God. I don't know how to get things right. I'm in deep trouble here. God wants you to walk free of that. That's why Jesus came. And your past, present, and future, had Jesus not come, you guys, man, we are all stuck in this thing with that rod across our shoulders, unable to break free. But Jesus has come to do something so great. Verse five, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What's this talking about? He's saying to the nation, listen guys, I know you guys have been through a lot of war and battle, but all that stuff that represents war and battle is going away because I'm gonna create a time of peace in your nation. And I wanna tell you, God also desires to create a peace in you and me. Just knowing, okay, Jesus has come. 
I'm forgiven, I'm loved, I'm okay, I'm in his hands. God offers you and I peace, like here and now. But he also keeps us looking ahead to heaven, keeps us looking ahead to the day there will be no more weight to distress us, no more oppression to wear on us. Then it says this, because how's this all going to happen? How do I get out of my gloom? How do I get out of my sadness? How do I get out of my oppression? How do I get uh, free from the the weight of sin on my shoulders? Verse 6, for to us a child is born. Guys, Christmas is how this is possible. That's why we have to let our hearts beat a little faster when we hear the name of Jesus, Christians, right? That's why we can't just sing Silent Night tonight. No, we've got to worship as we sing Silent Night tonight because that's talking about Jesus coming for you and me. That's talking about our freedom from our gloom and our distress and our sin and our shame. Ray Ortland says this, God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. Let me ask you a question. What terrorizes you? Well, what do you think about? Is it that thing you did right before you left for break? Is it that thing you did last year? Is it that business deal you made that you know was shady? Is it the way that you treated somebody? Is it that addiction or struggle that you have, real kind of quiet, hidden in the darkness? Because, man, Jesus, he is the answer to everything that terrorizes you and terrorizes me. Past, present, and future for you and me, Jesus hadn't come terrorized, a mess. But he he has come to rescue you and I from this. Look what it says next. To us, a son is given. Guys, a son, this word is so important. A son was given. In our special tonight, the band played the old sacred spiritual, I'm getting nothing for Christmas, right? That hit you right where you were. That hit ministry to your soul, right? But think about it, right? What's the whole premise of the song? The premise of the song is good behavior equals gifts. Bad behavior equals no gifts, right? That's the way that this goes. And so for you and I, we think about all the things we've done, all the wrong things we've done and said and all the wrong places we've gone and and seen and touched and said. And man, there's something in this that goes, well, I ain't been nothing but bad. There's no way this gift can apply to me. If I read through the contract here between Jesus and mankind, there's got to be an asterisk by my name on that specific date and that specific sin, right? No. To you, the Son was given. Why? Because God's a God of grace. God's a God of grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But that's just who he is. Have you ever been shown grace before? Just think about your life. You ever do something, broke something, said something, done something, and and someone showed you grace you didn't deserve? About a month ago, one of our church computers died. And so we went on the road of trying to figure out how to replace it. We tried to get a fix first. didn't work. And so um, Andrew did all this research and was all excited about this new computer, and we figured out how to purchase it, and we had to wait for it. They had to basically put all the stuff in it we needed in the guts of it. And, and then one day, a few weeks ago, he walks into the office, and he's got the computer in his hand, a big smile, and he goes, Christmas came early. And he walks in, and he goes over to his desk, and he places the computer still in the box down on the floor in front of his desk. And I'm like, I'm figuring this guy's going to rip this thing open and get going. I know how excited he is about this. It's like he and Steph had a child, you know. So he's, a, he's got this thing there, right? And so he's not opening it. He's going and doing some, some other work, and he just leaves it there. And I'm like, oh, man, I got I to gotta do something with this. I got to have some fun with this. And so I text Joey. I'm like, Joey, get Andrew outside somehow, right? So Joey gets Andrew outside, and I'm starting my scheme here. 
And one of the things you need to know is I kind of set this up. It's not going to seem like it's related, but it is. is In our office, we like to have fun. We work hard, but we like to have fun and just keep things light. And so we've got lots of skateboards around. If you've ever been in there, there's skateboards all over the place. We like to skate from place to place and from the desk to the copy machine, copy machine to the other spot. And so it's not uncommon for one of us just to kind of be skating around just to set you up for what you're about to see because we happen to catch this magical moment on film. And so you guys can go ahead and check out how this all played out. Oh man, I was laughing about that for so long. We had so much fun with that. But I want you to think about two things. First of all, think about the fact that here is Andrew, so excited about this thing, spent all this time, energy. We finally got this new computer, and here comes me skating through, breaking what he thinks is still the computer. And man, he showed me in the moment tremendous grace, right? And actually, after he realized I pranked him, he still showed me grace. In fact, He's the one that made that video for me. I was like, hey, man, I know I just mocked you, but anyway, you can edit this for the Christmas service, right? I want to show everybody, right? (laughs) Guys, I got to tell you something. You and I, man, we broke the computer. We trashed it. We busted it. And we didn't have a little scheme worked out. We didn't remove it before so we could get away with it, and we didn't have any part in the guilt. No, we are guilty before God, and yet he has shown you and me such tremendous grace. But Doug, There's that one thing, right? There's no way he'll show me grace for that. I mean, my parents kicked me out for that. I got expelled for that. My boss fired me for that. My wife left me for that. My kids said they never want to talk with me again for that. Right? What's your excuse, right? What's your thing? There's no way God could have forgiven it. No, he still has given the gift. The son has still come for you and for me. But how is this possible? Look at something else Isaiah said in chapter 16, verse 5. In love, a throne will be established. I don't know what kind of throne you think God sits on. I don't know if you think it's made out of power, fear, manipulation, works. I want to tell you tonight, God sits on a throne of love. The throne Jesus sits on is one of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And so I don't know how you came in tonight or or maybe what's kind of going on and maybe what you feel is coming against you lately, but the Savior loves you. I don't know if you walked in here feeling loved by God or not, Sometimes we don't feel loved by God because we don't feel loved by the people of God. And I got to apologize to you if that's been any of your experience. I'm so sorry. And you know what? We are imperfect. We're going to hurt each other once in a while. But our prayer here at this church is that, men, we're going to love like Jesus has loved us. Look at this. Verse 18 of chapter 1. The last verse we're going to look at tonight. Here's the hope. This is what Jesus came to do. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Ever felt trapped in sin? Ever felt like the stain was too great? Probably about a year ago, I shared with you guys that my son Landon brought with him to our friend's house for dinner. First time we'd ever been at their house for dinner. 
this big bottle of cherry red soda. And somehow, I don't remember how it spilled it. Honestly, it could have been me. It could have been him. It could have been somebody else. I don't remember how it even happened. Maybe it just exploded when he opened it. But it ended up all over their white carpet. And Kelly and I are like, move the couch over it. You know, like, what are we going to do here? But the truth is, they were actually right in the room. So we would have had to knock them out or drug them first. But anyway, so. (laughs) But instead, they ran to the closet. They got some kind of cleaning solutions and mops and all kinds of stuff. And they came back. And I'm going to tell you, man, I thought there was no hope. I knew we were never being invited back today. I tell you what, they were actually here today as our guests because by God's grace, every last bit of that stain was removed. I'm telling you, I couldn't even tell where the spill had taken place. And some of us think God's going to clean up like 99% of the mess that we are, you know? Like get most of it. But there's that one little stain that just, it'll never come up, right? Now see, Jesus came take away every last stain. And he came as a child, but he would grow up and become a man, and he would be eventually beaten and placed on a cross and crucified so that you could know him, so that this throne of love would be established, so you and I could be forgiven and we could walk free, and that you and I would not be stuck anymore, unable to get out of the trap we'd made for ourselves. I don't know if you've ever wondered, yeah, Christmas, what's the big deal? Jesus, what's the big deal? I hope you're seeing tonight that the birth of Jesus changes everything. Everything. Past, present, and future. The birth of Jesus changes everything. Instead of gloom and darkness, we get light and warmth. Instead of sadness and distress, we get joy. Instead of oppression, we get freedom. Instead of being trapped in our sins, we get forgiveness and cleansing. Instead of being without love, we get a throne of love, a kingdom of love, a gospel of love, a savior of love. Our past is forgiven. Our present We are removed from those spots where we're stuck in our affliction and our oppression and our darkness and our futures are secure in our Savior's hands. The birth of Jesus changes everything. We would love for every single one of you guys on your way out tonight to take a little ornament that we made for you off the tree. Take it with you. Put it on your tree or put it somewhere you can see it. Bring it in your car. Whatever you got to do, we want this to stick with you. We want you to remember this Christmas season over this next week or so Man, this changes everything. This, this birth of Jesus isn't just a Sunday thing. It just doesn't just make my life a little better. No, this changes everything. Here's what I can tell you. On a personal level, I've spent time in gloom and darkness. I've spent time in sadness and oppression. I've spent time stuck where I felt like I'll never get out of my sin. And I've spent time wondering if God could ever love me or erase that part of my history that I'm so ashamed of. But I can also tell you that the warmth of Jesus, the light of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the freedom of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, and the love of Jesus are absolutely real. And the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus changes everything. If you're a follower of Jesus tonight, your heart better start beating a little faster when you hear his name. As we sing Silent Night tonight to close this out, you better not just sing it. You better not just hum along. You better worship as we sing Silent Night, because this changed everything for you and me. I don't know what event in your life you would look back to and say, yeah, that changed some stuff for me. That thing, that decision, that job opportunity, that relationship, that the way this happened or that lined up, man, that changed everything. I'm telling you, nothing has changed everything like Jesus coming for you and for me. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you find yourself stuck in some gloom or distress or oppression or sin, man, please bring that to him. He longs for you to walk in freedom. 
And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're thinking about taking a step today, man, I pray tonight you will do it. I pray tonight you won't put it off. And you know what? You're more than welcome to come back next week and continue to check things out and continue to try to discover this God. And maybe you don't like our church. That's okay. It doesn't offend me that we're, we are who we are. We don't shoot cannons at the audience every single week, you know, so if you're afraid of that or turned off, it's more like every other, but we, we'd, we'd love to see you back, or we'd love to help you find a church you like way better than ours. That's totally fine with us, but what we really want to make sure you do is you take a step. Take a step toward Jesus. Maybe here tonight, or if you're not ready for that, you, you take a step toward continuing to discover who Jesus is. He's not afraid or intimidated of your questions. He loves you, and he wants you to know him. But if you're ready tonight to put your trust in him, man, I would so encourage you not to put it off for another moment. I want to give you a chance in just a second to pray with me and put your trust in him. Begin a conversation with God and begin to explore what it's like to follow this amazing Savior who came for us. The truth for you and me, I pray it'll stick with you and it'll impact you this week and this year, is the birth of Jesus changes everything. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that this is real, that this is true, that this is life-changing, that there are a ton of people in this room tonight who could say and, and say without a question, yes, this is the thing that has changed me. This is the answer. Yes, I'm blessed by this or that, but Jesus coming, the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, man, that is what has changed everything. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to just pray right now. If something I brought up tonight just stood out to you, the gloom, the distress, the oppression, being stuck in something, the sadness, whatever it might be, would you just bring that to Jesus? If there's a, a, something in your past that you are convinced, while God has forgiven me of everything else, there's one thing he still must be holding on to, please bring that to him and walk in the freedom he wants you to walk in. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today or you want to come back to him, then I encourage you to just pray with me now, something like this, just silently. You could say something like this, Jesus, thank you so much for coming for me. Thank you so much for dying for me, for forgiving me, for giving the gift that I don't deserve. Thank you that I don't have to earn this from you. Thank you that this is something you've chosen to freely hand to me, though I don't deserve it at all. Jesus, show me what it is to follow you now. Show me how real you are. And I pray, Jesus, that you will change my life in an amazing way.